0: Good afternoon and welcome to show 260 of Engage for Success Radio, Your Employee Engagement Practices Are Killing Innovation. My guest today believes that for innovation to endure, it needs the right mindset and an enabling environment, and we're going to be talking about how your employee engagement practices may be killing innovation in your organisation. I'm Jo Dodds, your host for today. I'm a social engagement consultant working with the Engage for Success movement leading on digital. The Engage for Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there is a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work we spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice and we're widely supported across the UK involving the public, private and third sectors. If you go to our website engageforsuccess.org then you can join our newsletter list and if you're on social media then we're uh, at Twitter at engageforsuccess with the number four or on LinkedIn if you do a search for Engage for Success, then you'll be able to join our group and the links to the social media profiles are at the bottom of our website as well. So, my guest today is Abby Freeman who's co-founder of Brink Hi Abby thanks for joining me. Hi, Joe.
1: Thanks for having me today.
0: Lovely so start by telling us a bit about uh, who Brink are
1: what you do absolutely so Brink we are an innovation practice and um, we were formed as a result of a number of conversations over a number of years between myself and my business partner Lee um, It's quite useful, I think, to understand where where we came from and how how we got here. Lee was working in um, digital transformation in large corporates of global companies, and over time she was seeing that um, these leaders were being asked to be very um, decisive and run command and control. Um, operations whereas actually you know the world was moving so fast that often by the time they got to the end of a big long sub-turn the oil tanker kind of transformation um the world was in a very different place so actually the skills and the mindsets and and the way of working they needed to to be relevant to this fast changing world were quite different than what was being asked of them at the time and meanwhile i have been i've had a Quite a, a checkered past in terms of my career. I've been working in policy in places like the European Commission around innovation. Um, I have built, scaled a, and sold a tech startup which was great fun and in, in all of those places the thread that tied my work together was behaviour change and still is. Um, I've since sort of done more of a deep dive and retrained now as an organisational psychologist and you know, Lee and I having these conversations, um, over time, we both saw that for, for innovation to really work in organizations, regardless of what sector they were in, um, it wasn't just about the methods. So coming in sort of teaching lean startup or human centered design or that kind of thing. What, what really set apart the innovation that, that was working and enduring was the organizations that Worked hard to create an enabling environment and to cultivate the mindsets in their leaders and in their teams um, that, that innovation needs, which is really quite different than business as usual. So, we created Brink to um, tackle that and to really help organizations move from mindless progress to working in ways that gives them much more resilience and resilience that endures. So, we mm-hmm. have this kind of almost like a Maslow's hierarchy of. of innovation where we can teach the method and we're all fluent in different innovations of methods but we really believe that you know as you move up this maslow's hierarchy if you imagine the triangle you know you you have method on the bottom but you really need to create that enabling environment and you need to cultivate the mindsets at at the top as well
0: lovely so innovation is something that gets bandied around a lot in uh the business world and i'm not in Entirely sure that everyone really understands what they mean by it it's just you know quite a handy word to throw in and sound modern <laughs> tell, us, <laughs> tell us a bit about what you see as innovation you know what, what that looks like for you
1: yes uh, it's a really good question because we talk a lot about what innovation is but also what it's not and and you know often there's a fine line between these things so entrepreneurialism is part of innovation but it's not innovation you can be very entrepreneurial in your core business um, the same with R&D and actually one of the ways that we really help organizations we work with to understand um, what innovation is in their case, you know, we talk about this golden ratio that's come out of Harvard, um, that is the 70-20-10 golden ratio of resources that um, have been shown to, to lead to the, the best success in terms of innovation. So by that, I mean 70% of the organization's resources is towards existing propositions and um, business as usual and continuing that core business and then 20 percent is to more towards more incremental shift in proposition so maybe um, creating new products or going into new markets that kind of thing and then where we play is in the the 10 percent which is all about new propositions so um, it can include you know it can involve entrepreneur entrepreneurialism it can involve R&D but it's not just paying lip service and talking about doing new stuff or building an innovation lab and putting bean bags in there and table tennis tables and trying to behave like a tech startup you know it's not that it's working in a very deliberate way to look to the sort of not the immediate future the slightly longer term future um, imagine what the mega trends that are affecting our industry whatever that industry may be what those mega trends are and starting to think okay if this is what we think the mega trends are if it's say five years from here 2023 what will we wish in 2023 that we've done today and and innovation is really snapping out of that incremental thinking and being much more deliberate about how we make big step changes um Another very overused term, but you know, disruption. Um, how do we perhaps disrupt our current practices and create new business models that that will take us to that future place?
0: Lovely. I, I think it, it, that's so interesting to to hear that sort of un, unpicked a bit. Unpicked. That's probably not good English. Um, for exactly, you know, the reason I I said before that you know we hear organisations talking about innovation and it's 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 not. Always that complete transformation, that that you know future thinking. It's it's just as you said incremental change, which is as you said the twenty percent bit, and that's what a lot of organisations mm. call their innovation. And actually, it's the the sort of scary space, really, isn't it, of of ending up somewhere completely different to, to where you are now. And how do you how do you do that? I guess
1: that's it. And you know, it really is. You use the word scary. It really is difficult stuff because we don't know. Um, what's coming down the line and so a lot of the time it's instead of um talking about building the next widget or the next new thing you know once we've done that then we'll be two or three or five years from now then what so so what we're doing a lot of the time is building sort of capability rather than the next widget and um it's quite a subtle difference in the way of thinking but but absolutely it's what really separates that kind of Um, very deliberate step change away from Mm. incremental business as usual stuff
0: Mm -hmm. so we talked about um, the needing an enabling environment and you talked about your your framework tell tell us more about that how that works
1: yeah so in organizations you know a lot of the time we ha- we see the mantras on walls and one of the most famous ones maybe um in terms of innovation is somewhere like Facebook where they have move fast and break things written on the wall and you can buy the poster and you know when we go into organisations a lot of the time we see those kind of mantras on the walls but what we're talking about with an enabling environment is really following through on those mantras so um this is where a lot of the psychology comes into play because there can be defaults, there can be biases, there can be incentives or perverse incentives, and those um, can be accidental in an organisation. But you can start to be very deliberate about those and create the the sort of defaults that are going to lead to much more innovative behaviour. Um, and so, you know, when we talk about an enabling environment, we talk about things like. Um, Imperatives, not permission. So some some leaders or innovation leaders that we speak to talk about how they give their teams permission to um, take risks and try things, and you know that that's great and that's a step in the right direction. But we argue that um, often permission isn't enough. You know, it's an imperative for organisations to keep up with the pace of change, to keep up with the demands of their customers and their customers' changing demands, um, and to keep up with outside factors and technology that that's affecting them from from other places. So, you know, often what we're doing, looking at the enabling environment, is Shifting things or reframing the way that they're presented to teams and saying, okay, let's move from permission to uh, move fast and break things to actually it's an imperative. And when you start to think about it that way, then you have to start looking at if it's an imperative, how are we enabling that in our teams? So, are we hiring for that? do we reward just a successful outcome or do we reward people who go through a very um, scientific sort of process of experimentation and even if that experiment fails that's still a success because we've got insights now from that experiment and from that failure um, that maybe means we spent a small amount of time and budget and resource on um, that experiment rather than blindly sort of building the thing and putting it out in the world only to find at that point after lots of time and resource and, and budget spent on it that it's going to fail so with the enabling environment you know this this idea of um making it an imperative and um also what you know what's the sort of um environment in terms of the, lots lots of this is the softer stuff you know it's things like um, we're starting to hear a lot now about things like psychological safety which is great you read about that and you, you read about google's research you know where they said that their, their highest performing teams the one thing they all had in common was psychological safety and that's fantastic but then we we hear from leaders who say but how do we actually do that and it's really there's no one workshop you can give that will teach that that's more baked into how an organization is designed how your meetings are designed um what behaviors you reward and and what behaviors are modeled from from different parts of the organization
0: it's really interesting because exactly that point that that when you're saying you know go and break stuff and, and you must do that otherwise you won't be able to you know innovate in in the, the right sort of way there's a real fine line and you mentioned when you were talking about um you know spending budget and time and all that sort of thing between you know just blindly going off and in wasting money and wasting time and resources and actually doing stuff that will lead you where you need to go or at least will show you where you shouldn't be going once you've you know spent a bit of money and time on it sort of thing and how you know how do organizations equip their people to to feel comfortable to do that knowing that that, that they you know they're going to be supported as you say with the imperative as opposed to um just the permission bit because i mean I, I work with an organization where you know innovation is discussed and and they're saying that they're encouraging it but in the at the end of the day they've got a real hierarchical issue around people not taking risk even though they're telling them they want them to because there's a consequence if it goes wrong how, how do we how do we change that
1: Absolutely, you know, this is a, a really big question and it's one of the main reasons that teams don't feel they have actual permission to um to try, you know, to even start. Um so some of the companies we see that are doing this really well. One example I really love is is Skyscanner. Um, they're a tech company, um, started in Scotland and now sort of doing incredibly well. They're one of the UK's unicorns, you know, to use the tech tech language. <laughs> um, and when we speak with them there about how they're really creating that culture of. Um, they don't call it a culture of innovation they call it a culture of experimentation to learn and you know that's that I find really interesting because Mm. in everywhere across the organization you see how they are showing their people not telling them showing them in um, the way they hire the way they design um, performance reviews the way they design being able to speak openly and encouraged to speak openly about experiments that you know disproven hypotheses failure is just a disproven hypothesis and when when you sort of think about it that way failure is still learning um that unlocks the conversation and and it's really about moving it away from this very emotional emotionally laden um language of failure and success and risk and um you know that's linked to things like promotions and um peer support versus um judgment from your peers and leadership that that kind of thing it's all about moving it away from that very emotive scary place to putting handrails in place for um, taking risks and running experiments and trying um, to be much more of a process and a practice and Mm. so it's it's putting in places uh, putting in place those things that build that kind of practice. And one thing Skyscanner has now, which I really love, and you know we use it in some of our work, is um, it's online now, openly for everyone to use. It's called the Experimentation Kit, and um, it teaches you how to run experiments in in your business. And you can sort of plug your numbers in and see how many users you have to test it with to get a, a valid experiment. And you know, it, it really is just shifting that sort of um, the language and the understanding of it away from that emotional place into much more of a um, scientific place, and they're very strong on um, collecting the learnings, collecting an experiment if it's failed, why has that failed, what did the users not want about it, um, and using that insight in in the future. And I think it is things like that as well that um, just help to sort of shift what failure means and mm. and um reposition it
0: I love that. It's funny, you know, we we often hear people talking about, um, you know, needing to fail. And, you know, we quote the Edison story about, you know, how many times he didn't Mm. make the light bulb and all that sort of stuff. Um, Yeah. But failure is still a really emotive word in terms of it didn't work and we did it wrong. And, you know, whatever, whatever, however much we objectively say that we, you know, we can see the other side of that. I love the phrase experimentation to learn. I think that really does. Spin it into, you know, what what y- you need people to do and to be to to be thinking, and and that must be a real key thing. That whole mindset you talked about that in terms of your framework.
1: Yeah, it, you know, it really is, and and again with the mindset, um, this is something that often is so counter to what we're taught in um, management literature, you know, management training, leadership, the mindsets that we need for innovation are very different than the mindsets we need to run core business execution and, and it's quite useful to separate out the two um, you know the mindsets we need for innovation are much more mindsets of curiosity exploration listening to each other building on each other's ideas learning and that's where these sort of experiments come in and um, you know to use the psychology speak having a growth mindset of knowing that We can always improve we can always learn more and that um facts change you know facts churn what what we know to be true now isn't going to be the same in in even six months or a year for our business so it's that sort of humility and that um also that curiosity that makes you put very early stage ideas out in front of your team in front of your customers that's very uncomfortable when we've been taught that we should only put fully formed perfect product in front of our customers you know so it's it's quite a shift and um in brink we talk about mindsetting because we believe it's it's a verb you know it's a practice that you have to cultivate and just like yoga or learning sport or any of these things you've got to keep trying and you'll have bad days you'll have good days but it's really acknowledging that Mm
0: -hmm. you need
1: to keep going with these things yeah
0: how do you how do you reconcile that within an organization with what you just said about how people need you know need a different mindset to, to run the business as they do to, to innovate it and i think back to i don't know many years ago 18 years ago i worked for Kingfisher on the hmm. um first transactional website uh project for b and q so diy.com was launched in 2000 and um we were in there separately to the b and q Organisation. so eKingfisher was set up specifically to look at digital across the whole of Kingfisher as opposed to from within the organisations which meant that our mandate was very much go and do your own thing go and be flexible you know don't follow any of the internal cultural rules and regulations but you can't always do that how do you do that in an organisation where you do have to keep running the business you do have to have business as usual but at the same time you want that mindset of making that change.
1: Yeah, I mean there there are different ways that organizations tackle it. And look one of the famous ones is um the Google ten percent. I know it's different these days, it's it's not a thing anymore, but Google has teams that are tasked with innovation like Google Ventures that are very ring they're very high risk but potentially very high return for the business. Um yeah. I heard this week that Mishkon Derea, the legal firm, they've just launched that of idea in in their business the 10% where everyone has 10% of their time allocated to that more exploratory way of being that that, you know stop core business practices and um, allow yourself time to create an experiment try test fail um, and and to go back to Skyscanner again they have the whole company has Wednesday afternoons off and they call it make a time and everyone is not encouraged to but expected to Test, explore, try, learn. And and so, you know, in some businesses, it's the task of a unit that must have very strong links back into the core business that so everything they're learning will feed back into the business. Um, in some businesses, it's 10% of everyone's time because it's a sort of flat across the organization. You know, there are different ways you can cut it. But it, going back to what I was saying earlier, it's that case of being very deliberate about acknowledging there is this golden ratio and whether it's 10% or you know pick a percentage that's right for your your organization you need to really carve out the time and the resource um, to do that much more um, future facing thinking that innovation requires that's not incrementalism
0: Mm -hmm. so we're just moving into the, the last sort of 10 minutes of the the show and we um we said that employee engagement practices are killing innovation in some organizations. What, what, do, you, what do we mean by that?
1: Um, I know it may be a slightly provocative statement, but I just wanted to talk about a couple of the things that, that we've seen out and about. You know, At Brink, we work across public and, and private sector. We're in government. We're in corporates. And we love to... Um, have that exposure to different kinds of organizations and see what's going on so that we can bring great practices that we see to to help um and so a lot of the time what what i'm doing in particular is speaking to innovation leaders speaking to leaders and researching and hearing from them um what's going well and what's backfired and in the run-up to this show you know i Thinking about reflecting on some of the conversations that I've had and the stories that I've heard and I realised that actually there are a surprising number of of efforts to increase employee engagement using innovation that have totally backfired that I just thought were really interesting because they were organisations really with the best intentions, you know, but Mm -hmm. but going back to what I was saying earlier about how you need to design well and design for the behaviours that you want to see. they maybe hadn't quite thought through every step of the process. So they designed perverse incentives that, that backfired. So one, one conversation that I was having um, quite recently with one of the major professional services firms, um, they actually used an innovation um, process that's that's an ideas competition as an employee engagement tool. So they, they'd done all their surveys. They could see that engagement was... Um, was a bit low on on that sort of aspect of the business. Employees felt their ideas weren't being heard. And so they sort of met, joined the dots and thought, you know, it's a, it's a very tried and tested innovation process to source ideas from your employees or from your customers or both. And so um, they ran an ideas competition and saw some fantastic ideas from, from what I was hearing from them. Um, but perhaps because they ran it as an employee engagement, initiative and not purely an innovation one um they didn't then follow through on actually making any of the fantastic ideas they'd sourced happen you know they hadn't been budget and they hadn't got approval so what started out as a very well-meant initiative actually ended up backfiring because people got really disengaged you know they they had taken the time and energy to really think creatively about ideas that would benefit the business ideas that they knew um from their frontline experience that the business needed and then the innovation teams hadn't um thought the whole process through and hadn't allowed enough time and resource to then um really test a portfolio of those ideas i think they they were able eventually to pick one you know it's, it's things like that that we see where um, the intention is there, and it's so close to being um, an an excellent double whammy of engagement plus innovation. Um, and it sounds quite simple as I describe it, but I I understand when you're in that kind of situation, it, it's quite quite a difficult one.
0: Yes, yeah, and it's, it's interesting because you know a lot of organisations do engagement surveys and then ignore what comes out of them <laughs> anyway. Mm. But to, as you say, to take it to the next step and actually implement an initiative to create those ideas as a way of engaging and then as you Mm. say to to ignore um that you know without having sort of thought through the implications you can just see as you say how how disengaging that would be but also it just shows you how engaging it was (laughs) to do yeah that's
1: it that's right but it's about you know
0: thinking through as you say the end of the process what you know how that then gets implemented and followed through on yeah
1: Mm. That's it. It's a very fine line, you know, and, and often what what we're doing is um, looking at sort of intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation. So some things people are motivated by prizes and money and all that kind of thing. Um, you know, with with this sort of work, often it's very intrinsic motivation. People don't need external reward. They really, really want to be heard. They want to have their ideas heard and have the opportunity to sort of see them through and um, it's difficult to design it in the right way and that reminds me actually of a, another conversation that I had recently with a, a tier one bank who, um, you know, the banks are struggling a lot at the moment with their younger talent, with their retention because these very, especially in the city, these very new sexy fintech financial technology companies are sprouting up and um, really they're, they're really attractive to the younger talent so we we were speaking to a tier one bank who to in, in an effort to sort of keep their young talent retain them keep them engaged they offered them you know what, what was available to them elsewhere in, in these fintech startups so they said look if you have an idea and you want to create a startup within the bank then don't quit stay and um okay to begin with you'll have to do it alongside your day job we're not going to carve out the time for you but we will eventually um, pick up this idea and run with it and and the reason that one backfired again you know people were working on their ideas alongside their day jobs and um, getting really invested in their their ideas that they were creating and, and building um, and then the, the bank took those ideas away from the teams that had created them and, and said, okay, thank you, You've started to prove that there's something there, now we're gonna take this on. <laughs> and so, you know, these teams that have been so intrinsically motivated to build something, create something, stay, um, they, they'd done all the hardest bit, which is to take it from vapor and an idea to, to prove, prove it. Um, and then the bank turned around and said, thank you, you can go back to your day jobs now and we own the IP. And, you know, I think if that had been very clear from the start, then then that might have been a different situation. And I think they may not have kept that talent on. But now there's legal wranglings, I believe, happening because that, again, that sort of you know you've got the will of your people you've got this intrinsic motivation where people do want to innovate and they do want to improve and have the opportunity to be entrepreneurial with it yes. um, and so the wise thing to do would be to really capitalize on that and put resources and um, time and support behind that team yes. um, so you know these are the kinds of things that we're seeing where it's so close but just in the way it's designed again backfires.
0: Yeah, and I mean there they were—they sort of abdicated any uh, sort of responsibility or, or interest in it uh, really until it was successful, and then mm-hmm. so you can see why they—you uh, right. know—were slightly less engaged as, as a result yeah. at the end of it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's right. right. So. um we're, we're coming up to the end of the, the show now it's been really interesting to to have this discussion and, and just interesting pulling it back into talking about sort of young talent as well because we had the show last week um with Rowena Bark from My Kind of Future who I know you know um so yes. uh, so we, we do link these shows up uh mm-hmm. even if unintentionally <laughs> so um <laughs> how, how can um people find out more about what you're doing
1: they can um come and find us on uh we're on medium so medium's a a place that we blog and talk about our thoughts so it's medium forward slash hello brink uh we have a website the same and we have a very i mean we're still quite new as a practice so we have a very nascent i think it's fair to say twitter account that people can can come and find us on as well but it's all hello brink
0: lovely thanks abby thanks for joining me today
1: thank you so much for having me
0: And just to let you know, next week, Jo Moffat will be back and she's interviewing Caroline Parker from Glasgow Caledonian University and they're going to be talking about engagement through values. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.